Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Today, the San Diego Union-Tribune and the Los Angeles Times, our sister company, are debuting a new podcast. It's called Border City, and it tells the story of Tijuana through the eyes of veteran reporter Sandra Dibble. Let's start with an excerpt from the first episode of Border City, which is out now, followed by a conversation with Sandra. Border City is a new podcast from the San Diego Union-Tribune, presented by the Los Angeles Times. I'm Sandra Dibble, a journalist who left my job and family in Washington, D.C. to report on Tijuana, Mexico. It's my story about beauty, tragedy, and belonging in one of the world's most violent cities. A second journalist was shot and killed in Tijuana, both murders taking place in less than a week. I expected to stay a year, maybe two, but my plans changed as I discovered the many different worlds that converge at the U.S.-Mexico border. Where would you go or what would you eat when you're here? Because I've got to go out to dinner tonight right. and I don't know where to go. No disrespect to San Diego. There's a lot of great restaurants here. I personally would drive over to Tijuana and that will rock your world. Whenever I catch the news these days, I see stories about the U.S.-Mexico border. And so many times, I'm struck by one thought. They don't capture the heartbeat of the place where I've lived and worked for almost 28 years. New report ranks Tijuana as the most violent city in the world. Porterfield State Park closes at sundown, and just before it, some folks made a dash for the U.S. border from the other side. Oh, they crossed the wall! They crossed the border! They're not coming into this country. They might as well turn back. They're not coming into this country. It's not that the stories are wrong. It's just that in the rush of daily news and in the fury of talk show debates, so many voices are drowned out. I'm Sandra Dibble, and this is Border City, a new podcast from the San Diego Union-Tribune. It's about my time reporting in Tijuana, a city on the busiest stretch of the border, a city both cursed and enriched by its proximity to the U.S. It's about the people who live here and the people who pass through, about the geography that shapes and sometimes breaks them. I was curious about a city that, just like me, seemed caught between worlds. It turned out that I had arrived at a critical year for Mexico, 1994. On January 1st, indigenous Zapatista rebels in southern Mexico declared war on the Mexican government. Hundreds of armed peasants have seized control of four towns in southern Mexico. They demanded rights and recognition for the country's indigenous people, and they called themselves the Zapatista Army of National Liberation. The Zapatistas wanted to draw attention to the injustice and poverty that was sending so many people to the United States. On that same day, the North American Free Trade Agreement was launched. It created a giant trade zone made up of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Today, we have the chance to do what our parents did before us. We have the opportunity to remake the world. But before the year was out, a major peso devaluation brought new challenges to Mexico. It was called the tequila crisis. Mexicans struggled with rising prices and spiking interest rates. Investors lost confidence and moved their money out of the country. In Tijuana, there was also a feeling of impending violence like the first raindrops of a storm. 
the Arellano Felix drug cartel was defending its control of the smuggling route through Tijuana into the U.S. Rivals were murdered. Cops and prosecutors were bribed and threatened or killed. The cartel was run by five brothers from the state of Sinaloa. They began as small-time marijuana smugglers, then expanded to cocaine and heroin. They were growing rich and more powerful. Then, just a week before I started my job, an unthinkable crime drew the eyes of the world to Tijuana. Luis Donaldo Colosio was Mexico's leading presidential candidate. He was in his mid-40s, handsome, charismatic. He talked about social justice. The election was still five months away, but Colosio was sure to win. His party, the Partido Revolucionario Institucional, hadn't lost a presidential election in 65 years. Yo veo un México con hambre y con sed de justicia. On March 23rd, Colosio was wrapping up a campaign stop in Tijuana. He was in the working-class neighborhood of Lomas Taurinas. A video from that day shows him trying to make his way through thousands of people. They had crowded into a vacant lot to see him. He could barely move. A lively cumbia played in the background. At the words, Oye, Jose, a hand with a pistol emerges from the crowd just a few inches from Colosio. It fires, hitting him in the head. Then it fires again, hitting him in the stomach. The crowd is so large and the music so loud that at first, most people don't realize Colosio had been shot. Then there's panic and the video blurs. Colosio is rushed to a hospital, but he doesn't survive. Subscribe and listen to Border City at San Diego Union Tribune.com slash Border City or wherever you get your podcasts. Sandra, thank you for being here. Your podcast, Border City, is out today. I know that you've been working on it for a long time now. How are you feeling? I'm feeling relieved. I'm feeling like, wow, the baby's born. Um, the kinder- kindergartner's off to school, and <laughs> I just got to let it do its thing. Absolutely. Well, um, from what I've heard, it's such an amazing podcast. We just heard the trailer, so you know we know generally what it's about, but can you talk more about where this podcast will take us? It will take us, I think, um, into the lives of Tijuanenses. And it's a very personal story. Um, it's my personal story, but it's also their personal story. Mostly it's about Tijuana and the people who live here and who have stood their ground and who have um, sort of fought back against both against um, characters, negative characterizations of the city but also tried to change the city. It's a city that has been traumatized by the drug trade and organized crime. You cannot deny that. 
Yeah, I mean, I love the dual aspect of it, it being about the city, but also about the people and, and your personal experience there. So um, on the backstory, which we run on Sundays on the News Fix, uh, you talked to our managing editor, Laura Sicalo, a little bit about how the thing came to be sort of, you know, behind the scenes of making it. And one of the things you said is that you looked through your journals, you know, you, you've covered Tijuana for over 28 years. Um, you looked over your private journals as well as over your years of reporting you know, what did you find that stood out to you? Oh, I had some dramatic entries um, that kind of surprised me and I put them in the podcast. Um, uh, the day I took the job, I was um, I, I was freaked that I'd actually done it. It was like <laughs> I leapt off the cliff and how can you unleap? Um, and I, I was, I was, I'd never really knew anybody in Tijuana. It was almost like taking a globe and spinning it. Have you ever played that game? And I <laughs> I'm going to move there. And, you know, your, your fingers in the middle of, I don't know, Australia somewhere. And it's just like, <laughs> so it was almost that random. Though I had been to Tijuana before. Um, I'd been there once as a graduate student. And I think it piqued my interest. It just piqued my interest that it's so close to the U.S. and so different. I think that's what like, wow, how could you be two cities, San Diego and Tijuana, so close together and look so different? It was only for two days that I was there. I didn't, you know, know a lot about the city. But yeah, you know, when you drive down the eight, I don't know if you've ever done that, but when you drive down the eight and you just see this city that spreads and I just awakens my imagination, like who lives there? What do they do? Uh, what's it like? So, yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of the times we we read about Tijuana, we see coverage. It's about it being the most dangerous city in the world. It's about violence there, you know, recently about violence against journalists, uh, drug cartels, things like that. But I've heard you say that, you know, it really gets a bad rap and that's not necessarily uh, the lens we should view it through. So, you know, what do you want people to know about the city? You know, Tijuana is dangerous and it's dangerous for some people. It's dangerous for people in the drug trade. Um, a lot of the killings are people in the drug trade, who the neighborhood drug trade, who are competing for turf. That is what's happening now. Um, it's, uh, I think, dangerous. Um, maybe if you're a policeman who is patrolling some of these neighborhoods, um, it, it can be dangerous. I think if you know where you're going, if you know what you're doing, if you move about purposefully, you are generally okay. Um, but I almost feel like the conversation often gets hijacked by, oh, it's dangerous or it's violent. And that's not the conversation I want to have. Um, I want to talk about other things in the city. I mean, I want to talk about the people who live here, uh, the people who who create, the people who are artists and, and chefs and just regular everyday people who are standing their ground. I mean, I remember there's this woman in a park that I met in the outskirts of Tijuana. And uh, one of Tijuana's problems is it doesn't have enough green space. And it was in one of the more crime-ridden areas of the city, but they wanted a playground for their kids. So the mothers would sort of post patrols there, um, you know, all day so that their kids could have a safe place to play outside with a little bit of grass. So why don't, I think we need to talk about that as well. Um, and just talk about um, just the spirit, the fighting and creative and entrepreneurial spirit that to me the city represents. Yeah, what I mean, I know you still cover it. 
but what have been some of your favorite stories over the past few decades? Wow. Um, you know, I have like I get I really get into whatever every story I'm covering at the time. So they're all my favorites. It's like, which is your favorite child? Well, I love them all. <laughs> um, what do I love? Um, I love stories about growth. Like in the 90s, Tijuana was just one of the most best, fastest growing cities in um, in Mexico. And uh, so then you saw Tijuana as a place that just drew migrants from all over the country, from Michoacan, from Sinaloa, from Veracruz. And so, you know, you get to meet people from all over Mexico in one place. And they would just, they were often just coming to work in the maquiladoras, which are pretty low wage jobs. And they would find, um, you know, a plot of, of ground and they would raise a small shack, which would be their first house. And then maybe they'd buy, you know, concrete blocks and, and make it better and bigger and, and, um, you know, pretty soon they're Tijuanenses, they belong there, they're, they have a stake in the city. So the, those were the stories I just love to talk about. I just love that eastern part of Tijuana that felt like, you know, these guys are pioneers. They are, they are coming here with the same spirit that, you know, U.S. pioneers came looking for whatever religious freedom. My, my own father um, was Mormon from Utah, and, and his his um, ancestors, you know, were the were the Mormons who crossed the desert and they came to the uh, the Salt Lake Valley. And you know, Brigham Young says this is the place. Well, I had that same feeling with Tijuana. Like they see, you know, what might just be this empty plot of land, but they say this is the place with that same fervor and that same feeling. Well, it's so interesting. You know, you mentioned people coming from all over the place to work there and it, them really becoming, um, you know, a part of the fabric of the city. I mean, that's your story, too, in a way. Right. You showed up there. You work there. I mean, what, how has it shaped your life? Well, you know, I'm I'm feel I'm a frivolous person. I mean, I I feel I didn't you know, I'm from Washington, D.C. I had a job. I I could fly home anytime I wanted to. Um, I had, you know, a place to live. And, and so, yeah, on the one, on one level, it's like, right, your story is so interesting. Like, it's not, you have not given up nearly as much as some of these families have, and you're not, you know, spending the winter in a, in a house without heating with a baby, and, you know, um, uh, so, but yeah, I'm one more migrant. I mean, I think that's what Tijuana does. It just, it's a big city with open doors, right? And you you meet any kind of person there, every kind of person there. And you'd, you'd be surprised, you know, my first friend was from Argentina and she had fled Argentina during um, the period of the of the military rule and, and gone to Paris, but then she longed for Latin America. So then she yeah, is like, everybody's kind of got this weird story. Um, so it's not just the Mexicans, it's oh, people come from all over the world and end up in Tijuana. Well, final question for you is, you know, what, what did you take away from this experience of making this and looking over uh, your past work and, and the change that the city has seen? And, and what do you hope other people take away from it? Wow. Okay. I never really just stopped to look at the city, like as a historian, and it put, it put me a bit in the position of, of, yeah, what has happened for the past 28 years? I've been like running around covering kind of daily stories and 
and weekend stories, but not really thinking of what it all means. Um, I think one line, it's not the entire, um, it's not the one narrative line and a big one is, is basically Tijuana is a city um, at, in a major uh, crossroads uh, for drugs headed to the US and weapons um, coming into Mexico. And that has done a number on the city. But um, to me, then what's interesting is the response is how people A, were affected, but then how they responded and fought back and how they even changed their narrative. Um, I think uh, the, some of the first ones who really changed the narrative um, around 2009, 10, things were getting really dark. Well, I think it's been the chefs, um, the, the cuisine that, you know, people started not only talking about the Milans, and people, people internationally and in Mexico started started talking about Tijuana's cuisine. And I, I think, um, and that was not just, a, they weren't doing it for PR, they were doing it because they were in their city and they believed in their city and they were bringing their creative talents to their city. And and it was for, they were cooking for Tijuanenses because tourists had stopped coming. So this wonderful food scene, um, you know, and and then, yeah, so I think that's one of the actually best examples of how Tijuanenses fought back. Anything else you want to add? Oh, just, you know, I felt privileged, so privileged to, to be there, to work there. Um, the people I met, um, I think they have changed who I am, uh, the examples they've set. Um, I felt humbled, you know, with my problems when I see how, with what grace and dignity uh, people are encouraged, people um, are moving forward and staying in, in the city and, you know, helping each other. And yeah. Uh, well, Sandra, again, it is really such an amazing podcast. Thank you for making it. Thanks for sharing your story. And thanks for talking to me about it. Oh, I'm really delighted to talk to you. 